Sports Podcast. I am your host, Joshua Tracy. And I am Corbin Heller. And today we'll be going over some uh, some football stats stuff. We'll be talking a little bit about the upcoming Combine, which should be starting, I believe, the day this releases, the 27th, right? So it actually started on Sunday night with players arriving. Um, but it will be the on-field performances will be going up and uh, starting on Thursday when this is released. Interesting. So what what starts on on Sunday? What what? Or sorry, I should say what has been going on since Sunday. So basically, it's split into four different player groupings, um, and each of it is you know staggered by a day to you know keep the process moving smoothly and whatnot. So. Tight ends, quarterbacks, um, uh, I forget the, it's W-O, I forget what it actually stands for, but I'm pretty sure it's like, that would make a shit ton of sense. Uh, Good job, Josh, I'm proud of you. Thanks. Um, Great at that. They arrive on Sunday night, they register, they go through orientation, they have a couple interviews with teams, Uh, and then on Monday, they go through all the measurements, they do a pre-examination at the local Indianapolis hospital, they have another round of interviews. Tuesday is media day, they have further medical exams, they have position coach interviews and psychological testing. Then Wednesday, today when we're recording this, we have NFL PA meeting, where they get introduced to that whole process in the union. They have more interviews, they're doing more psychological testing, and then they finish up with the bench press. And then on Thursday, they do a few more interviews and they do all of the on-field workouts, um, which is what everyone typically, you know, when they see the combine, that's what they think of, 40-yard dash, shuttle, uh, drills, stuff like that. And then on Friday, they leave. And then uh, place kickers, special teams, offensive line, and running backs start this process on Monday. Defensive line and linebackers started on Tuesday, and defensive backs start on Wednesday. So it's a six-day planned out, you know, uh, event, but it ends up going from Sunday to Monday because there's four different groupings. Well, damn! I yeah. Every year, I forget how how gigantic of an undertaking this actually is. It's it's so much stuff, um, and I'm, I'm sure we talked about this last year. But it's for media and coaches only. It's not open to the public, so you and I can't get tickets to go see unless we go as Juicing the Numbers podcast. Um, I'd I'm love sure to be able to go to this. Oh yeah. Um, we're we're sure to get one of those uh, anytime now. That's one of them. Actually, the most disorienting parts of watching um, the combine happen, like on TV, is because they do it at football stadiums, mm-hmm. um, but they're empty. And seeing the inside of any type of stadium when it's empty is kind of creepy. It's just weird. Yeah, especially since Indianapolis is a closed stadium. It's super echoey. At times, yeah, the, the echo and is it's so echo. quiet. Oh, it's eerie. It's like, do you remember? Um, I want to say this was like two or three years ago. Now, there was a riot happening at the same time as a Baltimore Orioles game. 
in Baltimore and they didn't let fans into the stadium, but they still played the baseball game. (laughs) (laughs) And it was the weirdest because like, granted, granted, Canton Yards does not fill up much these days as it is, but like literally zero people inside the stadium. It was fucking weird. And the announcers just leaned into it and started calling the baseball game as though it was golf where they did it in like (laughs) hushed tones and shit. Do you remember this? I do. Yeah. That's what What, all the, all the Baltimore riots and everything. Yeah. 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 That shit was fucking just disorienting. It's just so it, it feels like the wrong context. It feels like you're watching something private. Mm -hmm. I I love watching case. You literally are, but you know, yeah. I love watching the combine though. It's not as, you know, exciting as the draft, but it's always something I love like working on homework, doing something and then just having it out in the background and just looking up every now and again and watch a, you know, a fat guy sprint or, you know, guys catch passes, some throwing. It's enjoyable. Something appealing about like the raw athleticism of it because it's the same thing with like watching the Olympics, you know? It's like mm-hmm. Obviously, I don't know fucking anything about the mechanics of uh, different aspects of running. Like, I know how I run, like, kinetically, but, like, I don't understand what the actual technical points are of, like, distance running or sprint running. But, I mean, fuck, watching a dude run super goddamn fast for any stretch of time is super entertaining, especially in the right context. Um, it's one of those things where like you can tell who has practiced the drills extensively and kind of who's just under the assumption that they're going to wing it and be fine. Uh, cause there's a big difference between, you know, expected times and their eventual times. And it's just like, you look significantly slower than you should be. And it's just guys don't realize that you know this is a track start track run if they've never done it before it's it's so different than just being a wide receiver starting off the line so in in terms of storylines heading into this i know who what what quarterback is refusing to throw was it tua um or no tua is not going to be able to perform because he's still injured Okay. Um, I don't know Joe, who Joe Burrow. I can, I can look it up because I know that that uh, that's a a, a present storyline is uh, uh one of the one of the one of the main quarterbacks is refusing to throw at the combine, which feels weird. Like, why are you going? Um, like the like the inverse of what Lamar Jackson ended up doing a few years ago, where he refused to run but did all of his throwing drills because he was like, I'm not fucking switching positions. I am a quarterback. Um. Mm. I was wondering if there were any other main storylines we should look at heading into this weekend. Yeah, so Justin Herbert will be throwing. Uh, Joe Burrow will not be. It was Joe Burrow, okay. He says he's so confident in his track stock. Um, Actually, he doesn't say this. This is what they're projecting. Uh, He is so confident in his draft stock. Throwing would just uh, put added risk on top of that. That's actually a good point. I mean, his draft stock is at like an all-time he's, high right now. He's projected to he's already projected to go first overall pretty much, so mm-hmm. why even bother taking the risk? Yeah. Exactly. Interesting. Any other storylines we should look at? 
Um, medicals will be big for you know a lot of players. Tua, especially, he's kind of the the big question mark health wise. Um, so he's going to be going through you know all of his uh, medical examinations. Uh, actually, he went through yesterday. We just won't get the uh, leaked information until that's leaked. Um, because medicals are obviously not public information. Um, so that's going to be the big thing affecting his draft stock, not, you know, what he's able to do throwing the ball or, you know, running a 40 yard dash. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, that's the big storyline. If, uh, if we're ready to move on, I just want to add 40 yard dash is what gets the most attention. But look at three cones if you want to see actual on-field, you know, ability in a combine drill. That's the big one to look at for skill position players. Right on. Then, uh, then yeah, let, let's move on. I, I wasn't planning on talking about the combine shit first, but fuck it, we're already here. Tell me some shit about the combine, Corwin. Oh, what do you want to know? Uh, what did we talk about? <laughs> I forget. <laughs> Just now, we talked about uh, the schedule. We talked about you know. Some big question oh, marks. Um, who are some players that, that, that you're looking at in particular? Um... Oh, man. I'm really looking at uh, the big group of running backs to see who can break out there. Guys like J.K. Dobbins, uh, Clyde. Oh, God. I need to find his name so I don't fucking butcher this. Um, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire um, out of LSU. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Okay getting it right i'm sorry if i fucked that up uh guys like cam Akers, you know benjamin um maybe aj Dillon out of boston college uh deandre swift jonathan taylor uh and Keyshawn vaughn oh zach moss too those are all the big name running backs who have the chance to go in the first two days combine is huge for that um i kind of want to see who breaks out there and then wide receiver is going to be the huge position group to watch because it's so, so deep. I'm just going to go through all of the top names, uh, alphabetical order, just to show just how many guys are contending to be top picks. We have Brandon Ayuk, Arizona State, Chase Claypool, uh, Devin DuVernay, <coughs> excuse me, K.J. Hamler, T. Higgins, K.J. Hill, Colin Johnson, Jerry Judy, Van Jefferson, Justin Jefferson, Juwan Johnson, Tyler Johnson, C.D. Lamb, Denzel Mims, uh, Donovan People-Jones, Michael Pittman, Jalen Rager, Henry Ruggs, LaVisca Chenault Jr. Um, and God, there's, there's just so many more. Those are all the top guys. Those are the ones you want to kind of be watching and see how they uh, compete because there's there's just so many guys at the top. A good combine performance is probably what's going to make or break their draft stock. What do you think? Uh, what what's the farthest farthest you think you, someone could fall from a poor combine? Like like oh, how man. bad? Like so let, let's say you have a running back projected to go like in the first round, but like not like you know top five, just like a, a first round guy. And then he has an abysmal combine. How could, how far could he fall? I mean, if he's projected to go in the first round and has a bad combine, 
I wouldn't see him falling past the third. Okay. Um, but if he's a he's a day two guy to start off with, you know, round two or three, it could be disastrous. Um, Orlando Brown, a couple years ago, um, he was looked at as, you know, a fringe round one, round two guy. Uh, goes out and just has one of the worst combines I've ever seen. And then falls uh, just so fucking far. Um, but it was it was one of the worst I've ever seen, and it just was detrimental to uh, how he performed. Ended up being a fantastic player. I'm pretty sure he's in Pro Bowl this year, um, but he just looked disgusting out there on the field. It yeah, it's one of those things. It's like. <coughs> The, the combine results obviously matter to a degree because it's a measure of athleticism and football. Football's definitely got to be up there in terms of overall athleticism needed for select positions. Because baseball, you know, like you see a bunch of heavy set dudes in baseball just doing their thing. They're not the the people aren't expecting them to run fast. They're expecting them to like hit the ball far or like be a pitcher. Um, hockey, you also probably need to have a good sense of overall athleticism, but there's a few different aspects to it that aren't there, that aren't there that are in football. Like, uh, a few of the quick cuts, the idea of jumping over anything, um, Mm -hmm. and the fact that the, the shifts are short, uh, although plays are also short. So, you know, do what you want with that. Plus you don't usually do pushing style hits. A lot of the hits are just quick glide by not saying one's better than the other just the different um yeah football like you got to kind of do most positions required you to do like a little bit of everything outside of a few you got to be able to handle a lot of different aspects of, of of the game so i i definitely see the combine results as being like important and at the same time unimportant because practical ability is also going to outweigh physicality i would say yeah it's one of those things where i view it as um i view it as a bar you have to reach there's certain levels uh you have to reach at the combine in order to be successful like you don't need to have the best time to have a successful combine you just need to hit a certain bar that shows you have the you know the requisite strength, explosiveness, speed, whatever it may be for that position to compete in the NBA. Anything above that is just icing on the cake. Anything below that is essentially a major red flag. Um, and you know it's it's not make or break like we saw with Orlando Brown. Um, there's guys that just go out and absolutely light up the combine. And then just don't do anything. Um, like Obi Melanfanwu out of Yukon, uh safety that was drafted by Dallas. He had just an absolutely outstanding combine. Um, completely was the talk of the show for that whole week. And I'm pretty sure he's on like the Steelers practice squad or a team's practice squad right now, after being, you know, first second round pick. Uh because it's not all about athleticism, um, but 
that's definitely uh, what is the headline maker when it comes to the combine. Uh, you ready to talk about some some weird stats shit? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, Always ready for right. weird stats. Today's the stats episode. Ooh. All right. So I ran a query. I ran a few, but the first one we're going to talk about, uh, I wanted to see, uh, apparently it said it between 1950 and 2019. I don't know why 1950 was the cutoff. <laughs> I didn't do that on purpose, but that's fine. Um, regular season games. I want to see which quarterbacks had 50 or more pass attempts with 20 or fewer passes completed. And uh, what's your impression of what this list looks like? <laughs> Um, I want to say Jay Cutler's going to be on there just fifty Ooh, times. He isn't. So, so he's not. Uh, there are definitely quarterback names here that you recognize, including one and a half active quarterbacks. Uh, but there's only eight games in which this has actually happened. Is Vinny Testaverde on there? No, he's not. It's another great guess. I, at this point, that's just disappointing. I want to see Vinny Testaverde there. So I'll start I off in every query we do. That's that's how I want to phrase that. I I can't argue with that because it, it that's something I want to see too. Um <laughs> so the 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 first name on here, I have it stored in terms of fewest completions is Dick Wood. <laughs> Does that legendary name mean anything to you? 80 grade name. I've never heard it before, but goddamn, that's an 80 grade name. Dick I Wood. Dick Wood. Uh, he had 17 completions on 52 pass attempts um, in Ooh. 1966 when it was the AFL. He played for Miami, the, the Dolphins, uh, playing against the Boston Patriots, not even yet the New England Patriots, uh, in a loss. Hint, all these games were losses. <laughs> <laughs> uh, although pretty close, 14 to 20. Um, he completed 32.69% of his passes for 276 yards, two touchdowns on three interceptions for 40.2 quarterback rating. Uh, not Dick Wood's finest performance, let me tell you. Uh, the Dolphins were 2-9 and nine at that point. The Patriots 6-3-2, and two, which is hilarious. <laughs> and, uh, and goddamn, Dick Wood... Not a what tell me I want I need to learn more about Dick Wood. Uh how many seasons do you think Dick Wood survived in the NFL? Uh 6.9. Oh no. Dick Wood. This isn't a lot of years. <laughs> oh boy. Uh 5. Ugh. He had 60 career starts, which means I guess he did start all of his game. No. Oh not all of them because there was a few uh because this was back when it was 14 starts. Mm -hmm. He played for Denver for uh, one game, <laughs> then San Diego for six, and then the Jets for two seasons, 25 games total, Oakland for 14 games, and then Miami for 14 games. Um, his career record, you might ask, 13, 18, and two. Uh, Dick Wood was not a good quarterback. Uh, more interceptions or touchdowns? What do you think? Interceptions by twenty. Oh no, that's fifty-one. That's touchdowns. too big of a number. 
71 uh, interceptions. Uh, It's not good, Dick Wood. It's not good. His last year in the league was with Miami in uh, the aforementioned game being part of that season where he had a uh, 6.1 interception percent. That's that year. He had four four touchdowns on 14 interceptions. Dick Wood. I love this. I hate that, but I love it at the same time. So that's the that's got to be depending on how you want to look at it. I would think that's that's got to be the front runner for worst game on this. Li- Although oh, there's two games with lower quarterback ratings than that. I guess we'll get there. So the second worst performance on this in terms of completion percent, uh, tw- two thousand and seven. Any guesses? Two thousand seven. Two thousand seven. Um, Jake Delhomie. You know him. You love him. He's probably going to go to the Hall of Fame. Eli Manning. Uh, <laughs> 18 completions on 53 attempts. Good for a 33.96 completion percentage. 18, 18 completions, 53 attempts. 184 yes. yards, one touchdown. A 51.1 quarterback rating and a 10 to 22 loss to the uh, Washington Redskins on December 16th. 2007 the year he won the super bowl eli (laughs) eli no that is the half uh active player because he's listed as active because he hasn't had a season retired yet even though he is officially retired um there is one other active name on this list who i believe is still active uh, although we'll get there but uh eli manning being on this list was like uh it's it's one of those things where it's like it's not a surprise like it's like oh shit it's Eli and then you're like oh yeah that makes sense. <laughs> Eli is a treat. Uh, just, yeah. You you don't expect Eli to have that, and at the same time, you fully expect Eli to be the one to have that. Oh has that. yeah, it's like I wasn't going into this being like Eli will certainly be on this list, but at the same time, it's like. Once I see the results, it goes, oh, yeah, this is a list he would be on. Oh, Eli, I I love you, you goober, but oh, man, <laughs> you had some clunkers. Uh, reading down uh, the next name on this list, you will also certainly know. Uh, 1965, we're still working in the AFL, playing for Houston at the time. George Blanda wow. had uh, 19 completions on 54 attempts, a... Uh, 280, oh my God, 287 yards, zero touchdowns, five interceptions uh, for a quarterback rating of 15. That's not good, Josh. That's not good. Statistics have, have taught me, Corwin, that this is in fact bad. <laughs> <laughs> wow. How old do you think George Blanda was <laughs> in this game? Uh, what year was this? 1965 uh 39 38 ooh close wow yeah the next name i do not know john brody i don't i don't recognize it 1969 playing for the uh, san francisco 49ers against the rams uh josh john brody 20 completions on 51 attempts pretty boring one next one's kerry collins do you know this name penn stater oh really mm-hmm uh, little, yeah, a little bit more recent. This time we're working in 1998 when he was playing for Carolina against Green Bay. 
20 completions on 53 attempts, lost 30 to 37. Again, not that interesting of a game. The next one, uh, 2013, any guesses? Not in the league. He is he is gone, my friend. Uh, 2013? 2013. Not in the league. Peyton Manning. No, uh, Josh Freeman. Oh, that, yeah. Yep. I can see that for sure. Josh Freeman playing for Minnesota against the Giants. Uh, 20 for 53. Um, a bad game. Just a no good game. Uh, the next the next name, still active. 2014. Who do you think it was? 2014, still active. Joe Flacco. Not Joe Flacco. Playing for the Cleveland Browns at the time. Ooh. Ooh. Who was the quarterback in 2014 for the Browns? It's a great question because Cleveland has had just oh so many quarterbacks. Right? Like, it's so hard to narrow that down. That's Um, why it's a challenge, yeah. Fuck, I want to get this. I want to be able to get this, but I'm... I really believe in you because I feel like if I say the name, you're going to be like, fuck. Um, What team does he play for now? Oh, that's actually a great question. I have to check. I want to say, and actually, I'm not going to even guess because I want to be correct. Uh, Indianapolis. Oh, my God. Oh, Brian Hoyer. Brian Hoyer. Hoyer yes. the Destroyer. Um, believe it or not, I was able to get that. This is the best game on this list. <laughs> um, he went 20 for 50 for a 40% completion percent, which is the highest. He had 330 yards that game, which is also on this list the highest. One touchdown to one interception. A quarterback rating of 61.2, which is by far the highest. Uh, it, and yet they lost 7-23. to 23. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, like, not, not, not good. Uh, then the second worst game on this list is the last one. Jim Plunkett in 1980 playing for Oakland against Kansas City. Uh, in a game in which the Raiders lost 17 to 31, Jim Plunkett went 20 for 52. Uh, he had 238 yards, two touchdowns, five interceptions for a 26.5 quarterback rating, which is bad. That's, um, you know, not the worst, though. He also had the lowest adjusted yards per pass attempt out of anyone on this list with 1.02. All right, I take it back. It is the worst. That's so comically bad. That's impressively bad. Falling forward every play would get you more yards than that. <laughs> I feel like uh, we need to do some serious scientific testing. Put one of us in an NFL game and see if we can outdo 1.2 yards per pass. See, the thing is, I think we... Um, does it count rushing yards? Because Or is it just... No, it's adjusted passing yards. Oh, that's tough. Just little dump off screens and just hope they can run the ball for. So me. the real the real question is here, Corbin. Do you think we could replicate Jimmy Garoppolo's performance in the playoffs this year? Um, because that's basically what we would be doing. We'd be handing the ball off a lot, and then trying to just make shuttle passes that somehow counted as forward progress. Um, and I want to say no because I want to respect the quarterback position, but I'll say yes because I believe in us, and I like being a little cocky. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Hey, if we don't have to back it up, I'm the greatest that ever lived. <laughs> I'm actually Tom Brady and have an eight-foot-long penis. Now, why would you want that? 
That's the real question here. Because no one else has it, Josh. And I can't be proven wrong. Eight feet long is just, that's just too much. I want basically the snake from episode two of Harry Potter uh, as a dick. So real quick, this is uh, a total aside, but I just ran a query looking for most touchdowns with fewer than 30 pass attempts. Mm -hmm. And were you aware that uh, Alan Burke, who I don't know, uh, and Nick Foles both had their seven touchdown games on under 30 attempts? I'm aware now. I did not know that. Yeah, they both did it. Alan Burke had a seven touchdown game in 1954 um, on 27 attempts. And Nick Foles' was on 28. That's four passes per touchdown. Like Every fourth pass is a touchdown. He went 22 for 28, 406 yards, seven touchdowns, no interceptions, only one sack for one yard. Uh, he had 14.5 yards per attempt and 19.5 adjusted yards per attempt. Like, imagine having, you know, a career where you play, I don't know, 40, 50 games, you start them, and you have one game, one individual start so good, it acts as a buoy for the rest of your career. Like, it got him this contract. It got him, you know, the postseason run in Philly. Like, that one game set up the rest of his career. Oh, absolutely. Because everyone viewed this game as his ceiling for, for a long time. Oh, yeah. Damn, that's nuts. Okay. I wasn't expecting that. And uh, apparently I have to be harsher than 30 pass attempts. Um, wow. Go, go, good for you, Nick Foles, for at least accomplishing that. All right. So who do you think? It's actually a big old tie, but who do you think has the most pass uh, passing touchdowns on 25 or fewer um, pass attempts? Uh, Vinny Testaverde, of course. Not in not not tied for first here, <laughs> but these names is a weird mix of people. I mean, truly a puzzling mix of people. So. I'll start with the let the, the uh I'll go with the the order that Pro Football Reference gave me. Uh, so first is Tom Brady. He okay. he did it in 2007 against Miami, six touchdowns on 25 attempts, with 21 completions, a perfect pa- perfect passer rating, of course. Mm-hmm. Bob Grease, Bob Griesi, Bob Grease. I don't know how to pronounce this name. And... Uh, Bob Grease. It was Bob Grease, yeah. Hall of Hall of Famer. Uh, he he did it for Miami against St. Louis in 1977. Um, six touchdowns on 23 pass attempts. Um, an, uh, 115 passer rating. Very 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 good game, Bob Grease. Charlie Johnson. No. Nope. Don't know him. Uh, uh, 1965 did it for St. Louis against Cleveland. Uh, six passing attempts. Sorry, six passing touchdowns on 19 pass attempts for a 120, 120.1 quarterback rating, which feels very impressive. A 49 to 13 win over Cleveland, which sounds right. That sounds like how everyone beats Cleveland. Um, Tommy Kramer? That sounds familiar, but I, I can't be positive. 
his game happened in 1986, Minnesota against Green Bay, a 42 to seven win. Uh, he threw six pass attempts, six passing touchdowns on 25 pass attempts. And then the last quarterback with six passing touchdowns um, on 25 or fewer attempts was Peyton Manning when he was with nice. the, the Colts um, against New Orleans. He had six touchdowns on 25 pass attempts, a perfect quarterback rating. Uh, what a weird list of names. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, I just wanted to share that. I don't have anything else with it. Nice. Um, but yeah, fucking, fucking weird. Uh, what I, do I have. You think is the absolute ceiling for one of us? Like, how many? Let me rephrase that. How many passes do you think we would need for a touchdown? Oh my god! Um, who are we playing against? Um, I feel like we need to go with like a completely average defense. So let's just say like uh, the Broncos. Oh man, I'm going to be afraid though. They have. They they have Von Miller and that other guy. Um, yeah, I mean, it, everyone's got somebody. <laughs> everyone's got somebody. Uh, True words have never been spoken. Yeah, we should say that for the Valentine's Day episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, fuck, man. All right, how about how about let me ask you this. How many pass attempts do you think it would take for one of us to get a touchdown with no defense? Uh, three or four. All right. So actually, you know what? With that, though, because there's no defense. If there's no oh, defense. Right. We just let's, need to complete a pass. Me, all right. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, let me let me correct it, though. Um, how many passes do you think it would take for us to get a touchdown with no defensive line, but still a secondary? Oh, God. Um. So you have like, no pressure coming up against you, so you can hold the ball, but you still have to make the accurate pass. I think I think six throws would be enough for one player to get to break coverage enough. Ah man, I don't know. Okay, I want to say ten. I want to say ten throws before we get a touchdown. No defensive line, long as we can go and just avoiding defensive backs. Uh, uh, you know what I'm going to say? I'm going to say three because okay. because I think that we would employ the strategy of the Hail Mary of just chuck that shit up to the end zone and let the receivers figure it out. Because if mm. we're being honest here, Corwin, we could try to like lead <laughs> a wide receiver, you know, or we could try the jump ball thing. Yeah. It wouldn't go well. And I think we'd no. figure it out pretty quick. But if we gave them just a 50-50 shot and just chucked the ball up there super high and let everyone get to the end zone and let them just kind of duke it out, that just by law of averages, eventually, and I think relatively quick because in, in some aspects it's 50-50 in some aspects it's not, but 50-50 enough, they, one, of, one of our guys would get it. You know? I, I got to give it to you. 50-50 is probably the best odds we're going to get the entire time so i i love that plan it's you're not wrong like just toss it up we're not the nfl players they are let them get it <laughs> yeah right yeah if i <laughs> if i have if i have no no talent but the person catching the ball has all the talent i'm gonna make it their job <laughs> you figure it out i'm not peyton manning i can't all do right. it uh do you know any nfl players specifically defensive backs and wide receivers so um, i'd love to try this out 
I mean, I know Michaela Owens knows a bunch, but like that's all I got. She knows Eric Flowers. That's not helpful. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know Jason Cabinda. That's it. Um. Yeah. No. I. I don't know. I don't know anybody. I'll try to reach out to Saquon and see if he wants to do it. Hey, buddy. We we went to college at the same college, but not at the same time. You want to come on the show and catch passes? Yeah, it was the same time. You were both there at the same time. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I've been in the league for two years. True. Yeah. True. Uh, I have two other queries that we can get through real quick before we 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 kind of close out on on a few other like just non stats topics. Okay. What quarter uh, quarterback? What running back do you think has the most seasons of more than eight hundred rushing yards? The most seasons of more than eight hundred rushing yards. Yeah. Uh, Emmett Smith. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is Emmett Smith. He has 13 of them. Yeah. God, he played forever. He did. Who do you think's number two? Uh, who played forever? 800 rushing yards. Um, Adrian Peterson? Ooh, that's a good guess. But no, Adrian Peterson to date only has seven. Man, um... Who else could it be? I don't know, like Jim Brown? I don't know how long he played for. Oh, Jim Brown, another good guess. He is number five on this list with nine. I guess tied for fifth on this list. Uh, it is Frank Gore. <laughs> God damn, how did I not get that one? With 12 seasons. After that, it's a two-way tie between Curtis Martin and Barry Sanders, each with 10 and then after that, it's a big old tie of a hilarious group of names, uh, four names, Jim Brown, Matt, Matt Forte, wow. Thomas, and Ricky Waters. Wow, okay. Uh, I don't know Ricky Waters. Ricky Waters did this in between from 92 to 2000, so rather recently, uh, played for Seattle, Philly, and San Francisco. Wait, so how many uh Jim Brown had what? 9? Nine? 9, yeah. I was going to say looking at uh, All right, let's go through this query, then I want to bring up Jim Brown. Okay. Um did you have anything uh any other guys after that you wanted to talk about cuz I kind of just jumped in there? Oh, no. Dude, feel free to take this out. I just wanted to see because 800 yards feels like a good um number. I know it's not a high number, but if you have an 800-yard season, no one's going to say it was bad. Right. Um, everyone will say that was decent, and some people will say you could be better, but mm-hmm. 800 yards felt good. Um, that's all I really have to say. What do you want to say about Jim Brown? Um, wow, he was so good. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> he played for nine seasons. He was selected to nine Pro Bowls. And he was an eight-time first-team All-Pro. Kind of good. Um, three-time MVP. He had eight seasons leading the league in rushing yards. Eight of his nine seasons, he led the league in rushing yards, with his peak having 1,863 in 14 games. You know what's that's- crazy? That's almost almost like 100 yards off of being double his rushing yards from the previous season. Which is insane. Absolutely insane. 
Um, 2,100 scrimmage yards that season. Like, so like for those of you who have been on baseball reference, uh, when a text is bolded in like the big tables they have, that means they led the league that year in that. It's like there's more bold here than there is normal lettering. Yes, they call it uh, black ink, and there is a fuck ton of black ink on this page. It's insane. Um, you know, five time leading the NFL in rushing touchdowns, uh, six time leading them in rushes, eight times leading them in yards per game, uh, seven times, six times leading them in touches. It's just there's there's so much great shit here. He is just the forgotten about player in the NFL. Um, even though the NFL just named him the best player of all time. He's one of those people that's often considered, uh, or at least I've heard, you know, I'm not going to force my own opinions out, uh, that he's one of those dudes where if you put him in today's game, he could probably still be successful. Oh, that's yeah. How, that's how I've heard him. Dis- as oh, yeah. And he also like I mean, retired on his own terms. Like he retired after his age 29 season. Like mm-hmm. he 100% could have kept playing mediocre football at worst into his late 30s and just chose to be like, nah, fuck it. I, I, I did this shit. I'm done. It's it's gonna be like he's he's getting up there. He just turned eighty four uh, on February seventeenth. Happy birthday, Jim Brown! Oh, happy birthday! Um, I hate to mention it, but he's he's gonna pass it someday, and uh, it's it's gonna be one of those days where it's just that'll be a hard one to get over. Yeah, that's how I feel about Hank Aaron. It's yeah. wild to think that these two dudes are just like two of the greatest of all time and just like going to functions and like hanging out, being around mm-hmm. the sport. It's nuts. It's so cool. And it will make me sad when they are no longer doing yeah. it. Um, all right. Let's how get, many, let's get just, happier. Just, just real quick, just real quick. Uh, how many, how many passing yards do you think Jim Brown has? Passing yards? Yeah. Um, a hundred. 117. Nice. Jim Brown finished his career with a 110.1 quarterback rate. <laughs> wow. Because I, I don't know if I think that 117 yards is a little or a lot because he only played in nine seasons in 14 game seasons. And he only has passing yards in five of those seasons. So in some respects, averaging basically... 22 yards per season 23 yards per season feels like a lot for a running back but at the same time i feel like there was a lot more of that like positional fuzziness back in that time period which would have led me to think maybe there could have been more passing yards but either way yeah that's what he's got I would love to see Jim Brown not only in the modern NFL, but in the modern NFL where he could be used like a quarterback in some plays. Like maybe throw a couple wildcat plays in there, maybe, you know, a couple Philly specials where he's throwing the ball deep. Just I want to see Jim Brown do it all. I want to see him look like Jim Thorpe out there. I'm with you, buddy. I would also be into that. Now, Corbin. Let me ask you, how many or uh, of all? Let me how to how to phrase this question: Which running back do you think has the most seasons of over four hundred receiving yards? Which receiver has the most seasons? Which running of, back. Oh, running back. 
of over 400 receiving yards. Yep, the um, most seasons of over 400 receiving yards. And or how many seasons do you think that is? I guess I'll go with Barry Sanders and 10. So 10 is the number. It's not Barry Sanders. I don't see him in the top five. I don't see him in the top 10. Actually kind of surprising. I don't see him in the top 20. Yeah. So I'm going to stop looking. Um, Let me, Larry, I have Barry Sanders. Larry Centers. Ugh. Do you know who Larry wow. Centers is? I don't. He played from 92 to 2001 with a combination of Arizona, Washington, and Buffalo. Wow. And I have no idea who this is. But he yeah, had 10 it. seasons, which is the most of as a running back with uh, uh, 400 or more uh, uh, receiving yards as a running. Sorry, he had. Oh, his career was actually longer than that because he also had a career with the uh, Philly. Um, sorry, oh, that's the Phoenix Cardinals. My bad. Never mind. So he played from 1990 to 2003, his final season with New England, um, in which he won a Super Bowl. So he's also a Super Bowl champ. Uh, yeah, ain't that some shit? Larry Centers. Larry Eugene Centers out of SF Austin. Uh, after that, Marshall Falk had nine. And then a tie between Tiki Barber and Ronnie Harmon, each with eight. Now, that's a name I've not heard in a long, long Tiki Barber. Tiki Barber. That was like, it was one of those names where, like, he was the star when I first was, like, hearing about football players. Oh, yeah. He was huge when I was a kid. God, Tiki Barber. Everyone knew Tiki Barber. Yeah. Um, and then with seven, we have Keith Byers, Roger Craig, LaDainian Tomlinson, and John Williams. Uh, Matt Forte here with six. He is tied with uh, active. Uh, is Darren Sproul still active or did he retire? Uh, I think he just announced his retirement. I was going to say, I think he just did, which is all right. Um, and then the highest, uh, the, the active player with the most Duke Johnson with five. So I think that's just wow. got to be all five of his seasons because I didn't realize he'd even been playing for five seasons. Yeah, right. Because it feels like uh, he's only been playing for three, but lo and behold, it's been five. <laughs> so, all right. So I want you to guess how many uh, 400 yard seasons Barry Sanders has. Well, so it's got to be, it's got to be less than five because I'm, I was looking at the fives. I, I'll say three. He has one. Really? One season with 480 receiving yards. Uh, he has one season just after that with 398. Uh, the next closest is 305, or 307, excuse me. I always viewed him as more of a, you know, utility knife player, do-it-all receiving back, and it's just not really the case. Oh, I mean, I, I guess he he just was on Lions teams that has such terrible quarterback play. The opportunity mm -hmm. might not have just just not might just might not have been there. I mean, he always caught a lot of passes. It just uh, didn't always translate to a lot of yards. Yeah, which is uh, which is the way it goes sometimes. Fuck, I I, I guess so. Yeah, damn. All right. I want to see. I really want to see if Saquon is capable of making. Oh yeah. 
Saquon, two years in the league so far, 721 and 438 yards, respectively, receiving. I want to see, I, see him get like 16. I feel I feel like this is definitely a breakable record we're looking oh. at right here. Because, well, I guess the hardest part might just be longevity of it because running exactly, back yeah. are getting shorter. But in terms of ability to just blanketly do this, I think almost every running back in the league has the ability to just do it. Um, Le'Veon has four right now. James White has five as well as an active mm-hmm. player. Um, how many do you think Frank Gore has? Uh, I'll say four. Yeah, four. How hilarious is that? Uh, it's, it's, well, I mean, he also has been playing forever, so it's not too crazy. Uh, I think it's just more of it was bound to happen at some point. Yeah, he just kind of fell into him. Uh, yeah, you know, he's got good balance. I don't know if he's fallen too much. But yeah, this, that was a uh, bad joke. If, if I, uh, yeah, thank you. Uh, this is certainly if the longevity can be there, a pretty breakable record, which is cool. So, uh, how many? Uh, I don't want you to actually do this query. I just want you to go off the top of your head. Okay. How many running backs do you think have had a thousand yard receiving seasons atop thousand yard rushing seasons? Oh, so both. Yes. So a, a thousand yards receiving and a thousand yards rushing. Yes. Okay. Um, how many players or how many seasons? Uh, both. All right. I'll say. Fuck. I'll say four four players and six seasons. All right, you're close. Uh, the answer is actually one for both. Uh, Christian really? McCaffrey this last year. Only one to ever do it. Really? What? Really? Wow. Yeah. Okay. 1,387 rushing yards, 1,005 receiving yards. Really? Mm-hmm. Huh. Ain't that some shit? I was on uh, Saquon's page, and I remembered uh, him saying he wanted to be the first one to ever do it, and he was close. It was uh, he just missed too much time this year. Wow. Yeah, he actually wasn't terribly close, but I was going to say he had four hundred receiving yards, right? Yeah, he was farther away than he was. He was closer to zero than a thousand. Yeah, that's okay. Damn, that is. It feels like he missed more than three games this year, but yeah. Yeah, well, he he fucking hurried back, didn't he? Mm-hmm. He didn't want to miss any time. Um, yeah, that's that's fucking crazy, though. I I yeah, I really would have thought that that would happen at some other point. It's just honestly, getting a thousand receiving yards is just really fucking hard. I guess so. Um. Hold on. I'm trying to run the query as well because I, I, I believe you, but I need to see it. Um, I'm also trying to do that as well. Ooh, I have three seasons. Okay. I also have, I have Christian McCaffrey's. I also have Marshall Falk's 1999 season and Roger Craig's 1985 season. Okay, okay. 
So let's look at Marshall Falk's 1999 season, in which he had 1,048 receiving yards and 1,381 rushing yards. Wow. Damn, that's a hell of a year. Uh, yeah, 2,429 yards from scrimmage. Um, and then Roger Craig's 1985 season... Yeah, he got it too. Uh, uh, 1,016 receiving yards, 1,050 rushing yards. And didn't lead the league in yards from scrimmage. He didn't lead the league in any of these categories. He led the league in receptions that year. That's weird. That's, damn, I feel stupid. It's okay, buddy. The query can be a fickle bitch. Stupid-ass fickle bitch. Uh, anything else with football stats? Um, I don't think so. All right. Well, uh, I guess the only other thing we, we were going to talk about is um, Luis Severino mm. losing another season and a half to injury as he is going to go under the knife for Tommy John surgery. This is his is, first, correct? Yeah, this is his first. He um Bro. He was throwing... He got two days into spring training while throwing, felt some discomfort in his elbow um, while throwing change-ups, went to go talk to the training staff about it. They did x-rays and MRIs, didn't see anything, flew him back up to New York where they did uh, one of the MRIs that requires you to get an injection with the, um, it's not ink, it's a dye um, to get a better view of what's going on. And they found a tear. And his UCL that just wasn't previously visible. Apparently, traditional MRIs have a like ninety-two percent uh, success rate in in or, or like visibility, whereas the dye ones have a ninety-nine percent visibility. But mm-hmm. cause, they caused some discomfort in the injection site, and since they were injecting in the elbow, they hadn't done it previously. Although that begs the question of why didn't they do it during the off season when he wasn't throwing at all? But fuck if I know. Um, and now Luis Severino, the previous Yankees ace to Garrett Cole will miss approximately 18 months, uh, while he recovers, which puts him out until, you know, July or August of next season, which is a huge blow to this rotation, but mostly to Luis Severino's career. This is two of his prime years. He's going to lose all of his age 26 and 27 season pretty much fuck yeah um what was the injury he's coming back from this season it was or this like past season mystery elbow injury i'm not sure no he had a lat tear or something like that mm. i think oh i don't re- i don't recall he had been he'd been out for so long i kind of forgot what he was rehabbing for. I want to say it was it was one one of the big three you hear from pitchers: elbow, shoulder, or lat. One of the one of the one of those. Right. Things. God, that's brutal. Yeah, I was really excited to see that Yankees rotation in full form this year. Me, me too, man. And yeah, like I said, good. like I think the Yankees will survive because they've shown a, a capability too. Plus, they're the Yankees; they can just go trade for a player. You know, like. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they will or they'll develop or what have you. I'm not. If you're a Yankees fan, you should be sad and concerned for Luis Severino. And obviously the rotation is worse 
not having him there. But I think the main takeaway from this is fuck. That's just goddamn tragic. The timing yeah. for this for this guy. Uh, and also, thank God he signed that uh that contract with the Yankees last season, that got him his guaranteed money. Because if he didn't have that, he would be so fucked in arbitration. <laughs> yeah, no fucking kidding. Jesus Christ. Really? I mean, oh my God. You know what's crazy is how many Twitter takes I've seen saying that Brian Cashman should get fired um, for giving Luis Severino and Aaron Hicks contracts worth $10 million per season, um, and then both of them ending up needing to get Tommy John surgery. Oh, no. You so signed like, two two really good players to two essentially extremely free or uh, team friendly deals, and they just happen to get injured and get over it. Yeah, I mean, like fucking really, like a, a seven to seven year ten million uh, seventy million con got seven year seventy million dollar contract is nothing, especially to a team like the Yankees. Exactly. Like that wouldn't even be bad if it was the Rays. Like a ten million per year contract really isn't that bad. Oh um, god. And, and then it's the same thing for Luis Severino. He's on like a I think a four year forty. Like it's it it's nothing. And how the fuck is anyone supposed to predict getting Tommy John surgery? Exactly. Cause like I mean, go ahead. How much is Garrett Cole making this year? Thirty five million? Yeah, uh, yeah, thirty somewhere between thirty five and thirty six. That sounds right. Is Garrett Cole three and a half times better Luis Severino? No. Uh, I mean, you, you if you wanted to argue and you wanted to say Garrett Cole was worth ten wins this season, is going to be worth ten wins this season, and Luis was going to be worth five, and and so that's double. Uh, I I wouldn't necessarily agree, but it'd be hard to to argue it wouldn't happen. But three times, right. absolutely not. Yeah, that's it's it's crazy that some fans are that, I guess, short sighted, fickle. I don't know. Definitely short sighted. Absolutely. Oh man, it's just fucking stupid. But here we are talking about it. So, yeah, we do love talking about stupid shit. Yeah, Can't yeah for we that. Do. um. Tommy John surgery is one of those things where it's just absolutely tragic for a career and yet is also such a career saver. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's going to, it chews up a huge amount of your playing time, but I mean, it also extends your playing career because without it, you would just retire. Like that's the option. It's either get the surgery or you're, you can pitch you're until done. you literally can't pitch anymore. And then bye bye you done. So it's a it's a necessary evil yeah, i guess so um let's close out with this because we we don't talk about hockey as much as we used to do you have any uh any takeaways from the trade deadline that happened the other day um i guess the biggest one was uh robin leonard being traded to uh the black knights i almost said the blackhawks from the blackhawks golden golden knights from the blackhawks uh to the purple Tigers. Um, it's one of those things where I don't think they needed it in any way. Um, but at the same time, it, it wasn't a terribly costly acquisition and having good goaltenders in the playoffs is just so overlooked by, you know, people who aren't very much into the game, like even us, um, 
so I like it. Uh, I guess the other big trade that I'm a big fan of, well, I have mixed feelings on, but Connor Sherry coming back to the Pens. Uh, he was, you know, my favorite player after Mark Andre Fleury left, so I'm so excited to have him back. On a personal note, kind of sad to see uh, Dominic Cahoon leave because I think he had a ton of potential. But um, yeah, and then the Pens grabbed Patrick Marlowe for a third round pick, which is equally expensive and super cheap because Marlowe's making $700,000 a year. Uh, so he really doesn't affect our, you know, dangerous salary cap in any way, which is nice. That's all I got to say. Um, yeah, I'm trying to, for, for, for Rangers news, they, they made, um, what was it two? No, just, just, just the one trade. They did one trade and one extension. Mm-hmm. Uh, they traded Brady Shea to the Hurricanes, which I have feelings about. And they uh, signed Chris Kreider to a new contract, which I also have feelings about. Um, trading away Brady Shea for a first-round pick, I think I'm good. I think I understand it. Brady Shea had a phenomenal rookie season and then just never quite did it again. And the Rangers have enough uh, stick first, def- like, you know, offense first defensemen that I just don't think they needed Brady. Like, if you gave me the option today between Tony D'Angelo and Brady Shea, I can't believe I would say this, but I'll take Tony D'Angelo. Really? He's, yeah, he's cheaper. He's a better shooter. They're equivalently mediocre on defense. Um, Brady Shea's obviously better looking and his politics don't suck nearly as bad. But <laughs> just on, on the ice, Tony D'Angelo, I think, is actually the more valuable player right now. Yeah, okay. Um, and He definitely has the pedigree. Yeah, and, and, and the Rangers could use the first-round pick this year as they're uh, kind of getting ready to get out of their, their rebuild and get into contention, which is part of the reason they... Um, we're relatively conservative at the deadline, only trading Brady Shea. And then the re-signing of Chris Kreider, I also love uh, yeah. a seven-year contract at 6.5 million AAV is totally reasonable. I don't get why anyone would be that upset about it. It's it's not high enough that you're like, uh, it's definitely not low, but he definitely took a discount to stay with the Rangers. And the thing is like, like we talk about every season with teams that are rebuilding and trying to get out of it you can't just trade away every player you have with value because then when you're ready to compete, who the fuck do you have? Like that's just a recipe. Bless you. That's just a recipe for you to stay mediocre forever because it's basically what you're saying is every time I have a top tier or even good player that could get me more draft picks, I'm going to trade them, which is what bad teams do. I E the Pittsburgh pirates. That's their whole thing. Uh, the Tampa Bay Rays, because they don't feel like paying them. Like, you want to shit on teams like the Yankees who buy up players, but the real evil with sports is the teams that don't pay them or don't have the 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 minds, the, the forethought to keep good players around and only see draft picks. So I'm all for keeping Chris Kreider around. Is he the world's greatest player? No, but he's a career ranger. He's a very reliable top six um, uh, skater. And I fucking love it. Physical, yeah, very physical, big, fast. Love it. Yeah, love, love, love to see it. Um, 
Outside of the Rangers, J.G. Pajo went to the Islanders, which I hate so much because he seems to score like four goals on us every time he plays us. I hate it so much, but it's a great trade. Uh, apparently, Joe Thornton is upset he didn't get traded, which is a bizarre sentence. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you there. It's it's intriguing, to say the least. Yeah, but... he, he wants to win a ring, and uh, the Sharks... Man, doesn't it feel weird that they're not really going for it? Because I feel like my entire hockey watching career, they've always been going for it. Man, it's just like there's their best players are just they're old, you know. Uh some are just it's just I think they just missed their window. You know, they definitely did. Um that's the cup loss to the to the penguins. Like (laughs) Yeah, and it actually you know it's weird, like that's kind of like the the early part of their window they were actually they were competitive just like two seasons ago yeah i mean it's it's a shame because i i liked that team you know i'm not a uh, a sharks fan but they had a really likable team and i I wanted to see them do well it's just it's everyone's kind of regressed and the guys have just aged out how do you feel uh with me telling you that the San Jose Sharks have the second fewest points in the Western Conference. I believe it. They've been awful this year. 56 points. They're only oh. six points better than the Los Angeles Kings. It's really bad. Wow. California, not great. Um, Anaheim, San Jose, and Los Angeles are the bottom three teams in the Western <coughs> Conference. Not great. Wow. California, not enjoying their hockey. Not that they remember it's there. Um, <laughs> Whereas the uh, Metro or the Eastern has been fascinating Um, right now, Pennsylvania is thoroughly enjoying hockey with Pittsburgh and Philadelphia sitting two and three in the Metro standings, Washington up top uh, four points ahead of Pittsburgh with Pittsburgh with two games in hand. Uh, The Islanders just lost a thriller to the Rangers last night uh, or Tuesday night, I should say super fun game. The Rangers now sitting at 72 points tied with Florida. Uh, just two points behind Carolina, who are two points behind Columbus, who's one point behind the Islanders, um, who are three points behind Philadelphia. So the uh, the wild card spot as it stands right now is uh, the New York Islanders and the Columbus Blue Jackets. But with Carolina, New York, and Florida all sitting like right there. So this... This uh, wildcard chase in the Eastern Conference is going to be super fun and an absolute bloodbath. And if the Rangers fuck around and make the playoffs this year, I don't even know how I'm going to react. <laughs> I would love to see it. They have a, a pretty exciting, at least uh, top two lines. Yeah. And the youth movement's totally here. Igor Shosturkin, although he was just in a car accident with Pavel Buchnevich and both will likely be out for a couple of weeks, which is certainly very, very sad, but I guess best case scenario for them after having that kind of car accident. Exactly. Uh, but Shostorkin's been a, a treat. He's nine and one in the NHL, which is ridiculous. Um, and the Capo Caco is present, although not experiencing the ice time. I think most Rangers fans would like to see uh, Philip Heedle has been a delight. Uh, Adam Fox has been wonderful. Artemi Panarin has reinvigorated this team like nothing I've seen before. The bread man. 
Oh my God, bread man getting that bread. It's ridiculous. He is the yeastiest motherfucker in the NHL, let me tell you. You got to say it like that, really? Yeah, yeah. That man is whole grain fuck. Uh, <laughs> I hate you. I'm enjoying this so much. Um, and I was, at the start of the season, I was so ready to just be like, yeah, you know, they're going to suck, but like, yeah, it's it'll be okay. And they might go to the playoffs. It would be I pretty cool to see. I would yeah. I would root for them until they have to play the Penguins. Which they wouldn't make it that far. <laughs> we we you all never know. Uh, that would involve them going through, I guess, either I forget how the they they changed the formatting to. I think they'd go up against Boston first. And yeah, that's one winnable series. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a fucking chippy ass series. Let me listen. If the Blues can do it, you can do it. Uh, 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 I don't know. I don't know about that. St. Louis is a really good team, and we are <laughs> trying. But yeah, anything else you want to say about hockey? Uh, not at the moment. All right, then shall we get out of here? Let's do it. All right. If you want to follow the show on Twitter, you can do so at Juicing Pod, and if you want to hit us up via email, you can do so at Juicing the Numbers at gmail.com. And until Monday, y'all have a good one. Bye.